Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. And I am trying to find it. It is a little book. There we go. All right. Listen once again to the word of the Lord. But when the fullness of time had come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, It was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Always winter, never Christmas. Do you remember those words from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? The White Witch has plunged Narnia into icy winter. Hopeless winter. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to warm the chill. Nothing to comfort the loneliness or light up the dark. Nothing. As I was thinking about this story, I realized that here in New York, we don't even have snow. 
to cheer us up. It's been almost two years. I wish I had something to say to you about that this morning, the second day of Christmas. But I have to be honest that I find myself a little lost in the dark. Advent is a time of anticipation and repentance. We waited, we mourned, we were ready to meet the light. And this week I felt, and I know many of you felt, like we lost Christmas. We're here online and we're glad you're here, but it's not the same. It's just not. It's not the same to have Christmas online. It's not the same to cancel trips wherever you were going. It's not the same to wear masks with your family. It's not the same to have to test all the time. It's not the same. I want to see you. I want to serve communion to you and look into your face while I do it. We're all short-tempered. There's tension in the air, there's darkness in our hearts, and fear in our brain stems. There's endless risk calculations in our frontal lobes and long-term changes in our limbic systems. We thought we were close. We were getting ready to pull out of crisis mode, and then the darkness closed in again. When I got the news that services were going back online, I started crying, and it wasn't this, really. It was two years of loss, uncried for. Two years of tension. Two years of uncertainty. Two years of not seeing faces in the grocery store, or the post office, or our own church. Two years of whatever it is you rage about. Whatever it is you miss. Whatever it is your kids have missed out on. Whatever it is, or whomever it is, that you have lost. And now, just as the light is born into the world, it feels like the catharsis and vindication and hope that's supposed to come has been snatched out from under us. Always Advent, never Christmas. Who is the baby who was born yesterday? What does he bring? During a Presbytery committee meeting this week, our chair, Audrey Weber, who you may remember as the intern the year I was our intern, 
led a devotion on our gospel text for today, our preaching text for today. She invited all of us to identify ourselves with a character in the story. And so I want you to take a minute and think, who is it for you? The shepherds tend their sheep outside in the dark overnight, sitting around a campfire chatting. Things are fine or things are terrible, depending on the shepherd. And suddenly, an event of once-in-a-lifetime insanity crashes into the sky in front of them. Old Testament angels look like giant wooden puzzle toys covered in eyeballs. Or some of them look like those huge bearded lion eagles that you can see at the Met. Maybe they showed up in the form of people. They sometimes do. But however they showed up, the sky was filled with otherworldly beings, thundering and shrieking that you shouldn't be afraid. Because good news is here. Why the shepherds? Who knows? Why Mary? Why Bethlehem? Why the people of Israel? Why planet Earth? Who knows? But glory to God in the highest, and peace among those whom he favors. Are you Mary? Mary wonders, why me? Mary left home to hide a little baby who wasn't supposed to come. Imagine trying to defend yourself. An angel told me I would give birth to the Savior. Mary has to face Joseph. Mary has to face her parents, her friends. Mary would probably be called crazy and whispered about for the rest of her life. And here, Mary is spinning on hormones and giving birth, painful, real birth, to the first baby she's ever pushed through her body in a cave far away from home. Greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Okay, but what's the trade-off? If God is with you, life is not going to be easy. Are you Joseph? Joseph discovers his life has been ruined. His fiance is pregnant with someone else's baby. It's hard to watch the bit of time between the angel visiting Mary in Luke and the angel visiting Joseph in Matthew. What kind of agonizing is happening on both sides? What kind of anger? Maybe it's still there in Bethlehem. Why doesn't he believe me? Why didn't he believe me the first time? If God is with you, life is confusing. People are hurt. People are hurtful. 
Are you all who heard it? It's amazing if it's true, but what does it mean for me? How could this possibly be all that interesting? This is Bethlehem. Nothing interesting ever happens here. Or this is New York City. Interesting things happen here all the time, but none of them are cosmic paradigm shifts, and all of them are tainted by the darkness of the world. It's amazing, maybe, if I believe it. But why? It's nice. And it's nice to feel warm and light at Christmas. But let's be real. It's just Christmas. If you had to cancel a trip, if you had to stay home and not see your friends and family, maybe you spent yesterday napping or trying to forget that it was Christmas. Maybe you feel like we're just back where we started. You want to love the people around you, but you're so tired. Few of you know this about me, but I spent about three years in early adolescence very debilitated by obsessive-compulsive disorder. I was very afraid of contamination, both rational fear of real germs and irrational fear of nothing. But to my mind, the actual lives of people I love were all wrapped up in my following all of these rules in my head. My brain told me that I was putting people at risk by touching the piano without washing my hands or by picking up my little brother while wearing clothes that had been outside. I was stuck. And everyone in my house was stuck. And it's because of this experience that risk, fixation on risk management, thinking about risk all the time, thinking about what might happen if such and such goes wrong makes me run in the opposite direction. Right now we have this justified national obsession of germs. We're all germaphobes, and there's good reason for it. But it takes me back to the worst time in my life. It makes me want to re-enter those thought patterns and obsess about what's touching stuff in my apartment and what I'm bringing home to my cat or to my friends or to the office. And I have to strongly resist it or I'll relapse. And so every interaction dealing with COVID has me right on the edge of a knife. Be reasonable so people are safe. Be careful so people are safe. But don't be too careful because you won't be able to leave the house. Two years of that will do something to your brain and to your heart. And like so many of you, I'm tired and sad. 
free as a Nama. My risk has been psychological. Yours has been physical or spiritual or social. Whatever it is for you, all of us, are nearing the end of what we can tolerate. I don't know what it's like to be you, but I know what it's like to be at risk. Every one of us has had a very different pandemic, but every one of us is living through a pandemic, and we need care, and we need kindness, and we need rest. We need each other. But dear God, how long? We need relief. I know that some of you are right on the edge and barely hanging on. I know that telling you to hang in there is useless. Because I know what it feels like. Keep pushing forward is nice. Take care of yourself is nice. Checking in is nice. All the genuine and heartfelt care in the world is nice. But it doesn't matter if you're at your limit. We have these rhythms built into the church year that are meant to tell us about the Christian life to tell us about the history of God's salvation of the world. Periods of darkness and penitence, and periods of festival and joy. Periods of ordinary time, long stretches of ordinary time. But it's more rare than Advent, and more rare than Lent, that we have these experiences that prolong and drag out the drama of the story. The anger, the defeat, the fear, the pointless rebellion. Keeping a lid on your emotions at work, trying to give your spouse or your kids or your friends love, when you barely have any reserve of joy whatever it is, we're sick and we're tired. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. That's the news. Christ is born, bring him glory. Christ is born dark, dark, dark. Law, human, the absolute fullness of what time could handle. Relief. But born to die. When the title for the sermon was chosen back on Monday, I had a whole scheme having to do with names. New names all around. I'm going to give you the outline in brief right now. This little baby born in darkness 
to a couple of scared people. Stuck in the gridlock of the law's demands, living in exile, figuring out how to be married, suffering a travel disaster, shedding any remaining illusions about each other in the intimate project of birthing a baby. This little baby born and announced to some random shepherds as Savior, as Christ, the Lord. This little baby named Jesus, Savior, because an angel told his parents that was his name. This little baby, born God. God who has been God for all eternity and human for only nine months. Has a new name, Jesus which means Savior, because he will save his people from their sins. That's why he's here, to save. Not just to show us how to live. Not just to be who we should have been. Not just to be the king. Not just to be the lamb who was slain. Not just to be the great high priest. Not just to be the prophet, to unite all true prophets. Not just to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but to be every one of these things. All these things. Because he is here to save. God with us to save. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. It's because of that, that human God who is here to save, that humans can be, as Paul tells us in Galatians, God's children. It's because of that, that Son of God who took on flesh, that God can be our Father. Not just Jesus' Father, but ours. The God who dwells in unapproachable light has human children because God became a human child. Mary brought the baby into the world. God is bringing us into being. God has given us three new names. Father, child, and Jesus, the Savior. The link the son who makes many sons, many daughters, many children, one father. It's easy to forget that that son was born to die. I thought the other day about how soon after the light of the world was pushed into the world, cold and tiny and screaming, His parents fled the country as a crowd of baby boys was murdered. Thirty years later, people were still being crucified for theft. People were still being stoned for adultery. Little girls were still dying and women were still suffering with issues of blood. Men were still blind and lepers were still ostracized. He died to become king. 
And these thousands of years later, we are still hovering at the very end of time, waiting for the resurrection to spread from Jesus to the rest of creation. The light of the world was born so long ago, but in the scheme of 13.8 billion years, it's just the blink of an eye. He just got here. The fullness of time is here. Christ is come. The kingdom is here. We are enraged and exhausted by this one manifestation among many of the bondage of creation to sin and death. But the Lord is here. The kingdom is here. We believe. Help our unbelief. So I remain unable to give you anything other than that. I have no light, hope, warm, fuzzy feelings about the spirit of Christmas and giving to others and peace on earth. I have no Christmas spirit this year. I have only Christ. And what I have, I give to you. Christ is born. Give him glory in the dark.